got to have a system to track your uh, lease administration or real estate management to track who's renting it, the history of it. But that accounting still has to happen from a lessor side. So, yeah, you've got to now, you're not just recognizing revenue as a single line. Again, you've got to go through the same type of calculation. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Independent ERP and Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. Lease accounting has a lot of moving pieces and they are always changing due to the ever-evolving regulations around lease accounting. If you don't keep up with your lease valuations and amortization schedules, you might be exposing yourself to financial risks. Also, these changes drive the admin costs that are required to maintain the leases. And ERP systems don't make it any easier as they might be difficult for lease admins to use them effectively. In today's episode, our guest, Greg Kautz, shares his insights into the nuances of lease accounting and why they are harder to handle with ERP systems. He also discusses how leases vary across industries and which ones has the most burden of lease administration. Finally, he discusses why alignment of master data is important between your ERP and lease administration software. If you plan to use one for your lease management, let me introduce Greg to you. Greg Kautz is the co-founder and CEO of Black Owl Systems Incorporation, a technology firm delivering innovative lease accounting software solutions for IFRS 16 and ASC 842 reporting. Greg is a professional accountant and has over 30 years of business experience, primarily in the oil and gas industry. Prior to starting Black Owl, he has extensive experience in ERP systems, finance and accounting, merger and acquisitions, corporate governance, supply chain, and information technology. With that, let's get to the conversation. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Of course. I am super excited to have you because the kind of topic that you are going to be talking about here today, it's very rare that people actually have the knowledge. So my audience is going to benefit so much. Uh, just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus? Greg? Definitely. Uh, so uh, Black Owl System started about two years ago, and it was actually the idea of my son, uh, right. Derek, who's a CPA as well. And he saw a need for uh, a new modern lease accounting solution in the market. He had experience working with one of the competitors, putting it in. And with the challenges he saw and what the client saw, he said, you know, he could build a better one. So I took that uh, request, put him with a, a partner of mine from another software venture, and we developed a uh, prototype 
And from that prototype, we brought it around to CPA firms and we got uh, a lot of interest from people saying, you've got something special. It's different than the first generation systems. Uh, go for it. Uh, so here we are today. Hey, amazing. Great work there. And now, you know, we have one of these standard questions before we dig into the, the uh, today's topic, which is going to be lease accounting that you are going to be teaching our audience. Right. So before we do that, we have one of these standard questions. And that is going to be, Greg, your perspective on business growth. Business growth. I see a lot of opportunities over the next few years, not just for uh, lease accounting solutions, but a lot for finance systems alone, modernizing the systems. Since we've gone through the pandemic, people are starting to get back to business. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of clients and companies are doing more with less. There's less people to do the jobs. Resources are tight. So people will be looking for solutions to modernize, improve the efficiency of their business practices and processes, in particular in the finance area. So companies will be looking for new solutions, innovative, out-of-the-box ideas to help streamline the efficiency of people. It isn't to take away work from people. It's to give them the opportunity to be much more efficient. Very interesting. So what we are going to do next is we are going to pick a story, a story of a business for which we have the lease accounting problem. Okay. Um, so I don't know whether, and you need to give me some background in terms of what this business is. It could be a case study from your business. It could be some business that inspired you to come up with this solution. So now give me an example of a business for which this is going to be useful. Uh, and, you know, give me the business model, where it is located, what is the size of the business and what are the challenges that they are running into that they would probably need a lease accounting solution. Okay, well, I'm going to use the company as a case study that was the inspiration for our uh, software. And this is uh, a Canadian company that operates internationally, and they had over 2,000 leases. And what they did is they selected a solution um, from one of our competitors. And with that solution, there was a lot of manual intervention happening with lease accounting, daily, weekly, monthly. Uh, What would happen is, you know, to create a new lease, the company would have to go into 20 to 25 different screens to set up a new lease. Okay. And so it would take at least a half an hour to set up and create a new lease, just to get things going. Okay. And that was one of our inspirations saying, okay, we can definitely streamline and improve that. All lease cap information should be captured on one screen and it should take less than five minutes. You know, so that was one step. Then we looked at, month-end accounting, uh, the month-end closing, running journal entries, where journal entries, it was an overnight batch job to create the journal entries. Again, that was inspiration for we had to use technology so we wouldn't be doing batch jobs. We had to make it fast as efficient. So again, uh, we can create journal entries instantly for all, you know, it doesn't matter if it's 10 leases, 2,000 or 10,000 leases. So some of those things for ease of use and speed, uh, you know, just two things uh, that were foundations for what we're looking for. And then topping on that is looking at business processes. How will the accountants manage their daily lives administering the leases and doing the accounting? So a lot of research on process design. How is the best way to do it? And then we snuck in a few 
business pra- best practices from other accounting practices we've seen in other systems saying, okay, this really like this, we've got to incorporate that. So there's a lot of little hidden gems within our system, just to focus on the business and how to make things much more efficiently. You know, until we have you know a long track record of a lot of implementations, we we really can't quote what are, how much are we going to improve because each company is so different. Yeah, some are coming off Excel, some are doing it in their ERP systems today, yeah. and they have partial solutions. Some are coming off as I say first generation loose accounting systems. Yeah. So, but yeah, a good guess is we're looking at fifty to seventy five percent improved uh, efficiency. Interesting. So. I definitely understand the problem that you are trying to solve. But when we look at, you know, from the business perspective, so you did mention that this is a Canadian business. It is an international business and they have roughly 2000 leads. Uh, But so far, we don't understand the business model. So tell us, you know, what kind of business? Is it a restaurant? Is it a manufacturing shop? Is it retail facility? And what are these leases? Let's say if my audience is not familiar with a lease, what's a lease? Can you describe the lease and the business type? Why don't I just give you a bit of background, what this lease accounting background is. So about five, six years ago, the regulators for U.S. GAAP, accounting standards, and IFRS for the international, which Canada uh, falls under, uh, made some changes to how lease accounting has occurred. So typically, if you have a lease, whether it's a building, it's a vehicle, yeah. computer equipment, yeah. uh, manufacturing equipment, and it's leased, yeah. you'd be able to expense it on the income statement. Yeah. So the regulators said, no, they want to change that and capitalize it. Yeah. So why would you want to capitalize it? So if you're a company, if you had a company and you had all your assets and you purchased them, and yeah. I leased all of my assets, yeah. our balance sheets would look different because yeah. my assets, if I leased them, wouldn't be there. If you bought them all, you would have an asset and potential liability. So when the regulators came, they said, we want to normalize it for the investors and for managing that that information, saying, okay, we want all leases now, regardless what type it is. And there's a lot of rules and exceptions with that. So we won't go through all that. Yeah. But now if you have a lease where you typically expense it, now you've got to put it, set it up as a right of use asset on your balance sheet, right of use liability. Then you've got to figure out what would be the interest rate if I went to the bank and borrowed money. So it's not what contract is if you have a 0% lease. It's what is the interest rate you would have, your company would have used to borrow. And so then you've got to write off interest and depreciation as if an asset as well. And then you've got to do the present value calculations on that. So there's a lot of different complexities just to start normalizing something where before it was a you know debit lease expense credit cash or credit payables yeah. now there's a lot yeah. more complex accounting and your accounting systems your ERP systems were never designed to do that level of complexity so if you look at uh, IFRS and US GAAP uh, FASB ASC 842. Yeah. Uh, between yeah. those two, there's 14 different types of lease agreements, whether you're a lessee or lessor. And each one of those types of lease agreements you have has definitely pages and pages of exceptions and uh, yeah. nodes. So the calculations get to be overwhelming. But what we want to do is take that complexity away and make it simple. 
uh, yeah. for the users. Yeah. yeah, we handle the complexity. You just get the base data in the system. We'll handle the rest. Very interesting. So obviously, you know, we are going to go back to this, uh, you know, business, and seems like this is probably a very large business, and that's probably the reason why, uh, you know, they would probably benefit from this solution. And I'm always trying to, uh, you know, figure out. Uh, okay, who is going to be the target audience for the solution? So in this particular case, so you did mention that this is a very international business. They have roughly 2,000 different leases. And I don't even know, you know, how many leases, let's say if you talk about SMB manufacturer or SMB, uh, you know, franchise business, I don't know how many leases do they have uh, typically. So let's say if you talk about just one facility, in one facility, how many leases are they going to have on an average? Yeah, so that's a really good question because, uh, and that's something as we do our market research, it's a real difficult question to answer. So many companies are so different. Yeah. Where a company you think has, uh, oh, they should have a lot of leases. Well, they don't. You know, they've got their real estate, but they own all their uh, vehicles. So it um, doesn't really matter. But think of the ideal target for us is a re- uh, airline. So an airline on a, an airplane, every component on that plane is leased. The tires, yeah. the seats, the engine, and all with different manufacturers and list different terms and conditions. So you think of one airplane, yeah. there's hundreds, maybe thousands of components on there that are leased. And then you think of a fleet of air, uh, air, uh, airplanes with an airline. Yeah. Uh, you know, it gets into tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of potential leases. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's our ideal target is airlines, railways, but that doesn't mean, uh, you know, that's our target market. It's, there's so many people with real estate. So if you're, uh, a developer and you yeah. are on the lessor side, you know, you've got to have a system to track your, uh, lease administration or real estate management to track yeah. who's renting it the history of it, but that accounting still has to happen from a lessor side. So, yeah, you've got to now, you're not just recognizing revenue as a single line. Again, you've got to go through the same type of calculations. So it's a very wide base of potential clients. So ideally, if you're over 100 leases or more, there's definite need for a system. Now, a lot of people, public companies in the United States, uh, public companies in Canada have been yeah. on this, these regulations for four or five years already. They've already got a solution. But again, going back to your growth, companies are looking to do more. They're looking yeah. to modernize their systems. So there is still, we're starting to get uh, inquiries from people who are on these first generation systems saying, we, you know, we knew at the time we took what was the best available. Now there's some choices. Okay, very interesting. So I like your example about airlines utilizing a lot more leases than some of the other businesses. And lessor, obviously, they are in the business of leasing. So obviously, they are going to have a lot more leases. So it makes sense for them, right? So now the next question I'm going to have for you is going to be more related to the mindset of people, the way people think. And I don't know how CFOs think, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And maybe you can tell me, because obviously, you have been practicing this professionally for a long time, right? So when you look at the average consumer, they are not there in their game to understand, uh, you know, whether lease is going to be a better solution for them or the ownership is going to be a better. Financially, in my mind, they all are even, uh, you know, depending upon how you look at it. But the appetite overall in the market is not there. People still have the tendency that, you know, if I own, that means, you know, I own it. 
if i lease yeah. that means i am leasing somebody else's uh, you know vehicle for example let's say if you look at the erp world the erp world the whole movement of saas and cloud the whole idea yeah. of this has been that okay you are moving from your ownership to your rental model but <laughs> still to this date businesses are not comfortable with it they think that you know you are paying yearly versus just one time ownership right so uh with the regulations when they normalized it so it doesn't matter which way from a balance sheet perspective right. so in the past when people would play games with lease versus buy you know right. some companies would say hey i'm going to lease so then i have more room on my balance sheet so i can right. get some more debt from banks well all of those games are gone now now everything has to be normalized so you're looking at a balance sheet that's reflecting your leases so from a business perspective and a financial decision now it comes down to lease versus buy is a business decision yeah. you know what what is do i have available cash to buy that asset uh what's the rate of financing if i want to go to a bank or the the person selling that good yeah. you know can i buy that uh or is leasing still so it gives you now rather than playing the accounting game yeah. which way works for my balance sheet better now it goes back to the pure business sense is what makes the best decision if i want to buy my assets do i want to finance my assets or do yeah. i want to lease my assets let's say if you go back to your average smb manufacturer do they understand you know that leasing could be an option for them or do they typically want to own in your experience so let's say if i'm talking to any smb what do they typically think from the business perspective are they comfortable renting well i think it depends on the type of business so if you're manufacturing a lot of times you know my first instinct as a former cfo yeah. is i'd want to own those assets because that it's the livelihood for my revenue source but then some businesses like we'll go back to the airlines they lease everything so they're comfortable they don't have to own something so uh you know they their business model is we're going to lease something so i guess it's unique to the the business not necessarily to the industry yeah. you know some may have more tendencies of owning uh assets but what we want to do is we don't want people making decisions because how the accounting is you know i i want to make this lease versus buy decision because yeah. I, the accounting is going to be this way and this is why for the businesses who don't want to uh get into leasing or they may be avoiding it you know and we're hearing this now in the united states with small private companies who are wanting to uh they have to follow the regulations this year we've heard from a few saying well i'm just going to sell all my assets or get out of all my leases and i'll buy everything back uh so i don't have to follow this accounting well i know personally if i want to get out of a vehicle lease uh and then buy that back it's not the most financial a sound decision for me to break a lease and then go buy it you know it's the manufacturer is going to make a lot of money on that transaction just so i avoid uh doing some lease accounting interesting comment there so i definitely want some more color share so why is it not a smart idea financially to go for the rent to own model is what you are trying to describe that okay i'm renting something i you know uh, got a mortgage on my house and now you know i want to get rid of that mortgage and i want to own that so why is it not a smart decision financially oh i'm not going to touch you know which is a smart decision financially over uh, cfos there's a lot more smarter people than me yeah i i think the big thing is is don't be afraid of the regulations if you're a private company having to go on to lease accounting this year 
Yeah. You know, if you have the right system, the right people to help you do that transition, it's going to make it a lot easier. But for making that uh, lease versus buy decision, it's got to be an individual company basis. You know, but I, I think you shouldn't shy away from being afraid of the lease accounting regulations impacting. I don't want to lease because I don't want to follow these uh, regulations because I don't think I've seen systems before and they're very complex. I don't want to touch them. Uh, this is why we're here. You know, we're here to make it e- lease accounting simple. Really interesting. So obviously I get the pitch for the lease accounting, um, you know, overall. But again, uh, you know, I am looking to see if this is going to be any beneficial for the average SMB shop or is it really for the enterprises? That's what I am trying to figure out personally. And that's what probably my listeners want to hear that as well. Yeah. So I think it's it, it applies to both. You know, I, I see a really good fit for the small SME, the small organizations who maybe they only have 10 leases. You know, it's something you don't want to worry about. You don't want to have to get the education or if you have staff change, uh, somebody leaves, that knowledge goes out the door. You know, it's it's so complex, the regulations around this. So it really gives a benefit to the smaller company not having to, you know, you still have to understand it. You still have to do your financial reporting for it. So it's benefit if you're a smaller organization. But then if you're a much larger organization, this is where you're going to start getting the benefits of getting the right solution for you, optimizing your business practices and processes, and then using technology to help you do that. So the larger enterprises getting the right tool are going to benefit from having uh, the efficiencies. Where the smaller, you may not have as much benefit uh, because, you know, you have one or two accounts, but it, it helps you do it correctly. It gives you that knowledge and it helps you uh, retain that knowledge within your company. Okay, very interesting. So I am actually going to go back to your story where you said, you know, they had roughly 2000 leases and it took roughly, what, 30 minutes to enter all of those leases. And I don't know what is the variable when you say 2000. Well, per lease. So that's per lease. Exactly. So, so what the what what the complexity was, what the case study we're talking about was, it was the inefficiency of the design. Right. So you know, when I said they would go twenty to twenty five screens, you're jumping in and out of screens. So it's not logical. So these systems uh, were, you know, when they were created five, six, seven years ago, there was a scramble. You know, we've got to get solutions out. So people didn't have time to sit back and lessons learned for efficiencies. Yeah. And the same could be said with when you change, there's initiating a lease, then there's changing a lease. Right. So when you change that lease, that even adds more complexity. And again, it takes a lot of time with that first system. For us, it's a few clicks of a button to do that change. You open the original lease, you know, you do a few changes. So, you know, we've had the benefit of looking at where a lot of these systems struggled with. So we leveraged technology. How can we achieve this? And then let's design it correctly. Let's let's talk to people. What do you want in your system? What do you want to do? So, you know, that first example of 2000 leases um, you know, think of 30 minutes to create each one of those individually. Yeah. Now, if there's something in common, let's say you buy a hundred laptops, we can just put it in our upload template and, you know, bam, it, it, it'll get all uploaded from an Excel if you're just changing a variable like a serial number. So it's just all focused on the entire cycle of leases and how yep. you manage it. 
from initiation to change to lease end to doing your month end accounting, which is creating your disclosure reports, creating the journal entries that you have to post into your ERP system, and then reconciling the lease payments that you say should have happened to what was actually paid in the ERP system. So there's a lot of little steps and you go back to, you know, what does a CFO want? Well, CFOs want efficiency. You know, they want optimize their business. You know, it's all about saving money, but a lot of times it's all about being as most efficient. So if you're spending less time entering data, you have more time to understand and analyze the data. Yeah. So we are going to peel some more layers there overall so that listeners understand, you know, what they are getting out of it. Because right now, let's say if we look at just the from the lease entry perspective of 2000 different leases, and I don't know how often these leases are going to be signed. Let's say if we talk about 2000 per month, that sounds like a big deal because then we are talking about at least 1000 hours per month. And that's a decent reading. Oh, but I mean, my understanding is going to be, let's say if I'm owning building and I'm probably going to be owning for 25 years or maybe 20 years or maybe 10 years. I don't right. know. Uh, you know, so yeah, I am probably going to be entering this, this 2000 over the period of time, maybe in a month, I probably get a 10. Okay. And it, yeah. not even 10, probably one, uh, you know, lease that I'm going to sign. And then I am looking at 30 minutes. Now that changes everything. So yeah. So no, that's a really good example. So, you know, it, Let's say you have a hundred leases. Yeah. You may be touching one of one of them or two of them a month, whether yeah. there's a lease change or a lease termination. And let's say you're using an Excel workbook and, but think of you've got a uh, hundred tabs all of a sudden and you're managing all of those hundred leases each on a tab. And then you're trying to consolidate those into a, a centralized workbook. The yeah. risk of error is so dramatic. Even if you're going in and changing one, okay, which one is it? You know, you're going in tabs, yeah. uh, or, or you have an individual file for each one of those leases. Yeah. So again, you've yeah. got so much information that you're trying to manage and then consolidate. And then when you do a change, it changes the whole calculation. It changes. You, you have to retain the history, what was done before, but then yeah. you have to regenerate the future journal entries and the impact. Uh, the present value of that. So one lease change has an impact on the summary of everything. And the risk of error is so high with having multiple workbooks or uh, multiple tabs in a workbook. And that's why, you know, we've got examples, uh, you know, people who have 100, 200 leases, and they're spending two to three days each month then doing their lease accounting. It's, and hardly anything has changed, but they're going and validating, they're going and researching. Oh, well, what was this? We've got to rerun the numbers. How does that change that? So there's a lot of manual intervention for something that, you know, people think should be that easy. You know, it, it's not like a, uh, a general, uh, expense for maintenance where, you know, it's debit maintenance, credit payable. You know, uh, you just make sure the coding's right and it's within people's delegation of authority. There's yeah. a lot more complexity to lease accounting. Yeah, very interesting. So maybe I don't know if you are in a position to provide an example, uh, you know, for the audience who might not be familiar with the nuances of how if you are going to change one variable, how that is going to impact pretty much everything. And that's what you mentioned, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of the calculation. Well, let's say you have an extension. The good example is an extension option. You've got a two year lease with an option to extend it yeah. three years. Yeah. So all of a sudden, 
Uh, you say, you know, halfway through your term, you say, we're going to take that third year option, extend it. You know, it was in our agreement, we could take it. So we're going to exercise that extension. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, that's changed everything. That's changed your right of use asset value. It's changed your right of use asset or liability. It's changed what you're writing off for future uh, depreciation and interest expense. So all of a sudden, you know, just one thing has changed every uh, value on your balance sheet and income statement that you're going to be posting. So again, if people are not familiar with all of these terms and they are hearing this for the first time, it might be harder for them to understand. Let's say if you talk about, you know, we are talking about one lease impacting the everything else in the equation. And I am not sure if one lease is actually impacting the 200 other leases that you might have in your system. No, it, no the, the 200 others would stay the same. So it's just that one lease. But then you've got to consolidate all that information. So it's because you're not posting uh, 200 sets of journal entries. You want to post a consolidated set of journal entries. You want, you know, uh, you think of a company, an airline, they're not uh, posting uh, for every component on an airplane, uh, a journal entry each month for depreciation and interest for that. What they're doing is they're consolidating all of those up, you know, by common things, you know, for depreciation, interest, uh, amortization, all of those yep. things would be summarized and the, the detail and the audit trail would be left in the lease accounting system, but a summarized journal entry would be going into the ERP each month. So that's a very interesting commentary there. So I am definitely going to feel a little bit more there because let's say, you know, if you are only going to send the summarized entry to your ERP, then you are probably not going to have the traceability inside your ERP. Tomorrow, let's say if you want to know what is going on with the summary entry, right. now you need to actually jump to the next system and you need to find whether that is going to have. And by the way, I mean, if you are going to change the system, let's say if I, uh, you know, kill the lease accounting system tomorrow, then obviously I am actually going to lose this inside because that was sitting in the other system, right? So right. I don't know how typically organization works. Are they going to have only the summarized entry or are they going to have the entire traceability inside inside their ERP system? We have both. You know, when we run journal entries, you have a switch and it toggles. Do you want it aggregated or single entry? So if a client so desires, we can give them single entry. But what people are doing is they're going on to the aggregate, they're posting from the aggregated, yeah. and then the audit trail is left in our system with the detailed entries. Now, if a client so desires and they want to dump the detail, uh, maybe a part of a month-end process is we're going to post the aggregated, but for an audit trail, we're going to PDF all the single entries and have as a backup. Now, you don't have to post it to your accounting entry, but you've got all the history right there. You know, it's that simple to have that detail, but not burden your ERP system with so much complexity and, and extra lines for reconciliation and analysis. Very interesting. So give us some some stories about the transacts that you have seen overall from the lease accounting perspective that, OK, you walk in to a business and you are, you are like, oh, my goodness. I mean, this is not done the way I am used to of seeing things. So tell us some stories that you might be able to tell from the lease accounting perspective where Either it wasn't done correctly or people were not as experienced uh, enough to, to be able to handle that. Yeah, well, there's there are a few stories. You know, one was an energy company we saw and we were talking to, and we discovered they were uh, doing lease accounting on things that were not eligible 
or um, qualified to for lease accounting. They, they're exempt. And we're sort of shocked to learn that uh, they, they have interpreted it wrong and they're applying the standards wrong. So, you know, there was one example uh, talking to a client saying, you don't need to be doing that, you know, and, and we were the ones catching it. And it was from just doing a, a, a demo. So it, it just shows the, the complexity of it where people can misinterpret. Uh, there's other examples. Uh, what we've had is, you know, companies have been satisfied with it. You know, we talk to the CFO and controller and they say, you know, it's, it's not an issue. We haven't heard a complaint since we put it in four years ago. Everything must be good. Yeah. Uh, we get to the point of doing the demo with the manager of financial reporting and he says, this is the biggest nuisance he has each quarter end and uh, month end is lease accounting is the biggest burden. Uh, if you look at the amount of effort, you know, he was saying there's more effort spent per transaction on lease accounting than any other transaction he has in his financials. You know, he says it's a mismatch. But when we went and started uh, doing the inquiries, you know, the CFO wasn't aware. You know, it's not the fault of the CFO because he's looking for the reports to be delivered on time and summarized with variances. You know, he isn't living the pain of what was going on to gather that information. So it's a lot of education for, uh, you know, the CFOs and controllers out there listening, you know, say, hey, you know, we've got a system. It's it's good. Uh, or we using Excel. It's good. Uh, we encourage them to let's just chat and explore what's possible because there could be savings. There could be opportunities to streamline your processes uh to make things uh better for everyone yeah so that's very interesting so i definitely want to peel a little bit more there so let's say if you have a cfo who is not going to be aware of these uh, changes and it's very hard to keep up on these changes and in my experience when i look at the regulatory changes obviously lease is going to be uh, always the first one that experience a lot of changes from the regulatory perspective now, when you think about the ERP systems, they have the regulatory compliance built as part of the ERP system. So anytime anything is going to change uh, from the uh, your IFRS perspective or from GAP perspective, that is going to be incorporated as part of your ERP. So are you guys going to enable that as well? So let's say if any regulatory changes are going to be there, and let's say if the data entry is not compliant with how the new accounting needs to be done, are you going to be alerting them, hey, you know what, uh, you know, you are not doing it right, you probably should be doing this so that you have some controls in place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've got accountants looking at the regulations, watching for updates. And then when those happen, then we go back and evaluate how we've done those calculations. You know, do those changes uh, impact uh, the calculations? Now, a really good example that's happened uh, over the last few years was there was a lot of changes with COVID. Yeah. Uh, a lot of landlords were giving, uh, the lessees, uh, breaks on, uh, deferring payments or giving pay, uh, free periods of no payment for a few months. Yeah. And that, well, that changed the calculations, you know, so it isn't a straight, uh, lease amortization schedule. All of a sudden you still have your same terms and conditions, but you all of a sudden in the middle, you're given a few free months or deferred months. So it's changed the calculation. So that was an example. We had to go do updates to our system to accommodate for those regulation changes. Yeah. 
Okay, very interesting. Did you want to cover anything else as part of this episode that you plan to cover that I may not have covered so far? Sure. Yeah, one of the things too is with what we've done with our design, you know, we talked about the efficiencies of the people using it is for the implementation. You know, you know, previously people spent two, three, six a year implementing the those first generation systems, which is way too long. So one of the things is we looked at the configuration and how we want to speed that up. So we've moved a lot of information to the master data, our front end. So if a client wants to add a new company, it's a matter of a few minutes to set it up. Uh, We've got an example where one of our clients uh, acquired a new company and we had that new company set up with the first lease entered within an hour. So that's not just setting up here's a new company, it's loading all the master data for that company. It's loading the GL accounts. It's adding the asset class, the business units, the vendors, uh, all of that base master data. And for and the, to create that first lease, we were pretty proud to see in one hour, we had a new company running on a system from master data configuration to a lease. And you think of that for conversion, uh, we can go pretty rapidly with that. And again, that goes back to when we sat down and we're planning out our system, we thought speed and implementation for clients is critical. And it isn't just for us doing the first conversion, it's for the clients doing their own conversions as the business has changed and we want them to do it. We don't want, we don't want to be a part of that. We want to have a system that the business can trust and use themselves. So this is a very interesting scenario. So in this particular case, how is the company going to be set up? For, and my assumption is going to be when you are setting a company in your lease accounting system, it has to be set up first in the ERP because you are simply the consumer of that data or are you the owner right. of the company data? Yeah. So from the ERP, we have to align our master data. So we can do imports of master data if there's a client so desires and maybe it's lease vendors that we want. They're a large enterprise and they're always adding new vendors. Well, we can bring those through into our system from the ERP uh, with the APIs. And we know there's a lot of accounting rules and regulations just in managing the master data on the ERP. So we have to respect that. But let's say you're a smaller organization, you don't have many leases. Well, then the person who's responsible for adding the vendor in the accounting system would just add it into our system as well. Um, but setting it up, you know, your GL codes don't change much. So we're not taking the full GL into our system. We're just taking the ones that impact lease accounting. And if it's a new organization that maybe doesn't have the GL codes for all the lease accounting, like the right of use liabilities and asset, then what we would say is, we set it up in our system and then the ERP then has to add those new GL counts into their system. You know, it's, we've got to be in parallel with the ERP system for master data. And what happens if they are not in parallel and there are any inconsistencies between the system? So let's say since we are talking about manual effort here, okay, this guy, Joe is supposed to be setting up the vendor in the ERP. Then Joe is supposed to be moving to your lease accounting system and then setting up the card of account. Uh, and that's where Joe catch. misses that. <laughs> Yeah, well, then that's where it would catch when you're doing your upload or your uh, import in. You know, it would flag saying, oh, you know, a vendor's missing. So that that goes then to the controls of the ERP. You know, and that's no different than if you're doing a, an upload from payroll. 
into your ERP and there's somebody not set up there or some other information that you're uh, uploading into your ERP with spreadsheets, you know, if there's a front end validation, you know, and, that, and that's where it'll flag and catch that. Amazing. So that's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing advice for our listeners? First of all, I just really like to thank you for this opportunity. And uh, one of the things last minute advice is uh, explore what's possible. You know, just don't assume that if you're doing lease accounting already and you have people and you're not hearing, explore a little deeper. You find out, is there a bottleneck and is there a way to approve that? And then for the new clients um, or companies, I should say, in the United States who are starting to uh, do the conversion this year to ASC 842, uh, reach out. Uh, we think we have something that will help you guide you to uh, achieving that compliance. Amazing. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be that lease accounting has a lot of different moving pieces and those moving pieces are always moving. So yes. make sure that make sure that your your financial not, are not moving and you are not getting penalized because of that. Uh, on that note, uh, Greg, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode. Thank you very much. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guest and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Greg, head over to blackowlsystems.com. It's B-L-A-C-K-O-W-L-S-Y-S-T-E-M-S.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Jim Downs, who shares his insights into the importance of tracking meaningful financial KPIs to improve profitability and growth for CPG companies. Also, the interview with Jeannie Doherty, who discusses how strategic bookkeeping differs from tactical bookkeeping. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.